Assalamu alaikum Welcome back to another episode of the Fiqh of Love. My name is John Fontaine and we joined again today with Dr. Muhammad Salah. Assalamu alaikum Shaykh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you, John. Yeah, alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah Shaykh, we've been discussing subhanAllah many topics all regarding the issue of marriage. Or and love. So or love. A love. <laughs> but especially, you know, coming to the, the thick of it, which is the marriage. Yeah. And so far we've discussed everything prior to the actual marriage or the nikah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and subhanAllah, so we, we've spoken about how love comes, what is love in Islam, you know, how you can pursue, a, pursue the love in a halal way and how not to pursue the love as well. And subhanAllah... Today we finally reached the episode where we want to speak about the nikah or the actual tying the knot as they say, you know, getting married and and committing to marrying someone for the rest of your life, potentially. So subhanAllah, today I want to ask you, what is the nikah from an Islamic perspective? The uh, word nikah refers to um, a couple of things. It refers to tying the knot the marriage contract itself mm. even without consummating the marriage as well as it refers to the intimacy mm. the sexual relations the sexual intercourse so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah an-nisa so you can marry them by the permission of their family the, the concept of the guardian so an-nikah here refers to uh, the marriage contract mm. and also in Surah An-Nur the Almighty Allah says marry off give in marriage mm. so here it refers to the marriage contract mm. okay so it refers to couple things mm. either the marriage contract itself mm. or the actual intimacy and sexual relations between a couple mm. who are already married so technically it's a the mutual agreement between a man and a woman, of course, through the, the guardian of the woman. Yeah. Mm. And that's why we say that there are three conditions mm. for the marriage contract to mm. be valid. The first is the freedom from the prevention. Which mm. means uh, there is an ayah in Surah An-Nisa. Mm. I believe it is ayah number 23. In this ayah, the Almighty Allah listed uh, certain people. Those people, Allah began the ayah by saying, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ Have been made forbidden for you. You're never allowed to marry the following categories or the following people. Such as, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ وَعَمَّاتُكُمْ وَخَالَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُ الْأَخِي وَبَنَاتُ الْأُخْرِ So those categories of people due to the relationship, the blood relationship, mm. uh, the mother, the daughter, the sister, the aunts, paternal and maternal, you're never allowed to marry any of them. But watch this. The ayah did not mention the cousins. Mm. So again, uh, some people in their cultures, the cousin, they treat the cousin like a brother or like a sister. Mm. And uh, if even if they, if they have some emotions, mm. 
and uh, they have some sort of attractions. Or whenever a family member proposes, say, why don't you marry cousin? Say, gross. How dare you say that? She's my cousin. Or she would say, he's my cousin. Like, he's my brother. No, 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 no. A cousin is perfectly legitimate to marry his or her cousin. That is because, number one, it is not listed in the uh, ayah among those who are forbidden for a person to marry. In addition to that the seerah and the sunnah is full of examples like that, beginning from Prophet Muhammad and his family. Ali ibn Abi Talib was married to whom? Was married to his uh, uh, cousin's daughter, hmm. Fatima, radiyallahu anha. Prophet Muhammad hmm. got married to Zainab bint Jahsh, one hmm. of his cousins. Hmm. You know, this is quite imp very important because, of course, many of the Muslims are living in non-Muslim societies where you, you, can, you can, well, no, it's not always permissible, but of course not from an Islamic perspective. But people now are having relations with, with uh, their, their sisters uh, and, and, and people like this. And they often look down on, on having uh, a marriage with a cousin. You know, subhanAllah, it's like flipped on the wrong, you know. Well, basically, when people close one of the doors of halal, mm. they automatically open another door for haram yeah. and they perceive the haram the fahisha or the evil as perfectly fine mm. as perfectly legal mm. and now bluntly they will reply to you by saying I'm free to do whatever I want to do mm. do not intervene with my freedom that is my freedom you're not God to tell me what to do but when God himself tells us what to do mm. they pick on you Mm. And they think this is retarded, this mm. is gross, mm. and this and this and that. Mm. That applies to many ahkam, by the way. You see, some people, they grew up with their cousins from a very young age. And mm -hmm. they're almost like brothers mm -hmm. or sisters. So they, they view them as brothers and sisters almost. Yeah. And even when they grow up, you know, you see them, they meet, they may, maybe they hug, you know, and things like this. Is oh, this permissible? Know, let me give you even a closer you know, example. Something mm. that not many people... Uh, may realize when a family find uh, a, a girl who doesn't have a family or they pick up a girl from an orphanage and then they raise her and she grows up among the rest of your sons mm. and daughters so she's treated as their sister yeah. she is treated as their sister because you've treated her as your daughter she grew up who is this girl to you mm. from an Islamic perspective yes, who is she she yeah. is somebody whom you raise in order to be with the Prophet وسلم, in mm. paradise that close like these mm. two fingers mm. this is the hadith this is what mm. it says mm. he said mm. the person who would look after an orphan sponsor an orphan will be with me in paradise like these two fingers so close to each other what an honor. So now you want to take care of an orphan. You want to upbring, uh, upbring an orphan, raise an orphan, support him or her financially until they grow up and now they are uh, a marriage age. Hmm. Can your son think of marrying this girl whom you raised? Hmm. Yeah, hmm. and that is permissible. Hmm. Well, I'm not saying your son has to marry the girl. Hmm. No, we're talking about 
what is permissible because, because this girl has never mm. been your daughter yes has never been mm. a blood sister to your sons mm. likewise if you raise the boy and you have girls so he's interested in marrying any of these girls the ayah of mm. surah nisa explained in details who are the mahram whom you're mm. not allowed to marry forever mm. unless if your wife happened to breastfeed mm. that child when they were still young under the weaning age mm. still being breastfed five fulfilling times five mm. full meals in mm. this case the ayah goes on to explain after listing those who are forbidden to marry forever because they are related to you mm. mothers sisters mm. daughters aunts paternal and maternal mm. okay mm. now it goes وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِ أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَ if a woman breastfed mm. a child, he was a little baby under the weaning age. She breastfed him five fulfilling times, mm. five separate times. Mm. So this child has become like her own son in respect mm. of she doesn't have to wear hijab before him mm. because she's actually so his mother due to suckling. So even her other children as well, same thing? No. Okay. Now the children this boy will become a brother to all the children of mm. this woman a brother to all her daughters so they cannot get married why mm. because she breastfed those kids and they are her children she's mm. a biological mother to those kids mm. and she happened to breastfeed that boy so in this case they have become brothers and sisters due to suckling what is known in islam as arrada breastfeeding due to breastfeeding so the ayah says وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِ أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنْ أَرْضَعَ So Shaykh, what are the conditions of, of the nikah? Like, what, what do we need to do in order to finalize and, and the actual I, I contract? I really like to uh, continue with the ayah to explain another thing because yeah. nowadays the process of marrying and remarrying, divorcing, uh, the turnover is very high mm. and it is very scary. And uh, sometimes as we were teaching like decades ago to the students that at the university or in high school, it might sound like a little weird that somebody uh, processed a marriage contract with a girl. Then he divorced her before consummating the marriage. And now or years later, he's interested in marrying her mother. Mm. Is it permissible? So the ayah also explains the in-laws and the step relationship Allah the Almighty says وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ in English it's the mother-in-law so you're not allowed to marry your mother-in-law whether actually you married her daughter only on papers without consummating the marriage or you consummated the marriage once you guys got married even verbally then this woman has become your wife and her mother, your mother-in-law, you're not allowed to marry her forever. If her daughter died, if you divorced her years later, she's your mother-in-law. You're not allowed to marry her. Mm. Then in order, the Almighty Allah says, وَرَبَائِبُكُمُ اللَّاتِ فِي حُدُورِكُمْ مِن نِسَائِكُمُ اللَّاتِ دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنْ Which means, الرَّبَائِب, he refers to the stepdaughters. It happens awfully that you marry a woman who has kids. She's either a widow or divorced. So what about her kids? Well, you married this woman, then her daughters and her sons have become yours. Mm. They are stepsons and daughters. But her daughter 
has become like your own daughter exactly it's absolutely forbidden for for you to even think about her and that's why the stepdaughter she doesn't have to wear hijab before you she's like your daughter exactly what about her sisters whose sisters the the your wife the sister-in-law you mean the sister-in-law yeah. well the ayah also goes on to say and this is a very interesting uh, reference thank you for bringing it up the ayah says it is not permissible to marry two sisters simultaneously mm. somebody will say oops and who do that that was common among the israelites as a matter of fact, one of the prophets of Bani Israel, Prophet Jacob himself, was married to two sisters simultaneously. Okay, So that was permissible in previous uh, legislations. But in Islam, it is not permissible to marry to two sisters simultaneously. You married one and you divorced her. Or it didn't work out with you. Or she died. Can you consider marrying her sister, who used to be your sister-in-law one day? as absolutely legal mm. again we're talking about the legality we're mm. not suggesting mm. we're not recommending mm. we're saying yeah it is permissible you know when Uthman ibn Affan may Allah be pleased with him lost his first wife Ruqayya who's Ruqayya? the mm. Prophet's daughter mm. okay and he was so sad even some people offered and proposed to him to marry their daughters like Umar ibn Khattab he mm. didn't show any interest the Prophet ﷺ gave him his other daughter, Umm Kulthum, in marriage. Mm. So Uthman was married mm. to two sisters, mm. but not at once. Yeah. When Ruqayya died, mm. he married Umm Kulthum, who used to be his sister Illum. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. We're going to take a break now, and we'll come back to this after the break, inshallah. Sure. Make sure you stay with us and join us after the break. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Assalamu alaikum salam. My name is John Fontaine and welcome back to the Fiqh of Love. Assalamu alaikum Shaykh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. SubhanAllah, we've been discussing, you know, who we can and cannot marry. And currently we're speaking about who we can't, who it's not permissible to marry. Mm -hmm. Who else uh, are we not allowed to marry, Shaykh? Among the uh, preventive causes, it is absolutely forbidden to consider or think about a woman who's already married mm. or a woman who's divorced but still in her idda mm. because we said during the idda her mm. husband has the right to revoke the divorce mm. the almighty allah says وَالْمُطَلَّقَاتُ so the divorced women their term is three periods during the three periods, the Quran advised in uh, Surah Al-Talaq, they should stay in the same house where she was living with her husband. Because in order to increase the possibility of reconciling and get them back together and so on. What, so if, she's it's the final, what if it's the final divorce? Uh, even if it is the final divorce, after the idda is over. Hmm. Not only that, even if the man is dead, hmm. Even if the man is dead, the Quran says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Those who are 
وعشره So according to this ayah, the widowing idda or waiting time or term before which a woman may not consider getting married or think about it is four months and ten days. Four months and ten days. To the widow. During this period, the woman is supposed to show that she's sad for the loss of her husband. She doesn't wear any makeup, any nail polish, any uh, eyeliners. She is she's sad for the loss of her husband mm. and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warned against uh, explicitly offering and proposing i'd like to marry you because the man is dead mm. no and number 235 of surah al-baqarah chapter number two mm. so whenever a woman is married Mm. It's absolutely haram. It, there is severe consequences and severe punishment for a person who tempts, he, tempts a woman who's already married mm. to divorce her husband mm. or to ask him for divorce mm. or to uh, seek khul'ah in order to marry her. Mm. Such person is an evil person mm. from an Islamic perspective. That is not permissible. Remember, John, in the previous episode, said even if she's engaged she's not married yet mm. Halas. Yeah. step back mm. you're not allowed to propose so how about the marriage? Why? because yeah. somebody else will propose and the, the process is going on mm. imagine some people think because they're kind of richer they have a better position and they think themselves better than this person so mm. they say you really deserve better than that uh, joker mm. you know I'm the guy if she, uh, if she actually calls it off with the first guy in order to marry this person, this is a great haram. This mm. is a great haram. Mm. So whenever a woman is married, whenever a woman is divorced, but in her idda, whenever a woman is widowed, but <laughs> in her idda, no one is allowed mm. to propose mm. to them. So is there anyone else who we're not allowed? And if we're saying it's not allowed to propose to them, then it's not allowed. Uh, it's more worthy that it's not allowed to process a marriage contract. And mm. if it happens, then this marriage is invalid. Mm. And this relationship is perceived as fornication. Yeah. So, Sheikh, you know, um, you said, you know, it's not allowed to um, for a man to uh, approach a woman, for instance, who, who is married. What about a woman to approach a man who is married? Or does that purely have to come from the male side? We spoke about that before. Look. Mm. It happened once a woman came to the messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. Mm. He was sitting with his companions and she offered him. She wanted to be his. Mm. Take me, marry me. But the Prophet ﷺ did not really have any interest. Mm. His hands were full. He has already his wives. He's managing the affairs of the whole mm. ummah. And all his marriages were for great wisdom. Yeah. So... The Prophet ﷺ politely told her that he is not interested. Then one of the companions offered that I would like to marry her, O Prophet of Allah. So he said, it's permissible if a woman finds Mr. Right, the very righteous person, and she's afraid that he doesn't know about her. She's always in hijab. Uh, no one is to communicate with him. It's permissible. Mm. But we said, it will be best if that can be um, you know, pursued through somebody else. Yeah, And if you remember, I said, uh, try not to approach the guy by yourself if you're a woman. Yeah. 
try not to tell the person that I love you or anything you be my ideal husband and all of that mm. do like Khadija radiallahu anha uh, if you have a guardian if you have a brother if you have uh, an aunt if you have another family who can pursue that person mm. hint to him introduce you both to each other uh, then it's permissible mm. so Shaykh mashallah what, what are the pillars or the conditions of the nikah so we spoke about number one no preventions and mm. we learn what are the preventions mm. number two is the consent of the guardian mm. the consent of the guardian nowadays a lot of youth take it very lightly take it very easy and they <coughs> say well we're grown up enough to decide on our own we don't need anyone to tell us what to do but it's a matter of deen it's a matter of legal and illegal the messenger of Allah peace be upon him said in the sound hadith which is narrated by the mother of the believers Aisha radiallahu anha la nikaha illa biwaliyin wa shahidai adl there is no valid marriage without the agreement the consent of the guardian and the presence of two just qualified shuhud witnesses mm. you know you just don't bring yeah. anyone you must be honest mm. trustworthy because this is a very sacred contract mm. marriage contract yeah. is a sacred contract and mm. in order to secure the rights of all mm. the witnesses must be honest so when it comes to the guardian the correct view why am i saying the correct view Mm. Because Imam Abu Hanifa has a different opinion. Mm. Okay? May Allah bless him. But the vast majority of the scholars, in the light of the sound ahadith and in the light of the Quranic references, mm. you mean that the Quran talked about the wali? Of mm. course it did talk about the wali. And the mandate of getting the consent mm. and the agreement of mm. the wali. You know, in sometimes the what, what about if the guardian or the wali is being stubborn and he's not allowing his daughter to get married and there's no reason why you know he's a perfectly nice man he's religious you know he, he has all the qualifications we shall really really address that but first we got to understand the references why the wali is a must mm. so we learn one hadith and we learn that the prophet وسلم, said Whenever a woman give herself in marriage without the agreement of her guardian, batil, batil, batil. Mm. then her marriage is in vain, mm. invalid, as if it did not take place. Mm. And the Prophet ﷺ also said, لا تزوج المرأة المرأة ولا تزوج المرأة نفسها. A woman may not give another woman in marriage, mm. nor even give herself in marriage. She needs a guardian she needs a wali what does the quran say about that the quran says in surah nisa so you may marry them after the agreement and the consent of their family who are the family it refers to the guardian in the second chapter of the quran surah al-baqarah verse number 232 the almighty allah says وَإِذَا طَلَّقُتُمُ النِّسَاءَ فَبَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَيَّنْ كِحْنَ أَزْوَاجَهُنَّ إِذَا تَرَاضَوْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ 
Allow me to explain the meaning of the ayah, then tell you a, a very interesting story behind it. So the Almighty Allah says, if you guys divorce your wife, okay? And then they finish the term. So the idda, which is three periods, have elapsed. And now she's free. If she wants to marry somebody else, she's free to do so. Because you didn't take advantage of the idda and take her back. So she can marry anyone else. But what if the ex-husband who divorced his wife showed interest in remarrying her with a new marriage contract after the idda and the term is over? It is permissible. But with the consent of the guardian. Hmm. Because Allah Almighty said, فَلَا تَعْضُلُوهُنَّ أَن إِذَا تَرَاضَوا بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ So if the wife who is now divorced and the ex-husband have an agreement and an understanding that they want to uh, remarry. Hmm. Okay, go ahead and remarry. But the guardian, no way. I'm not giving you my daughter anymore. Hmm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the guardian, La Do not prevent them from getting married. What hmm. do you understand from this ayah? According to the diversion meaning that they have the right to do so, they uh, they still enjoy the power of guardianship. Their consent is a must. Mm. And the story behind the ayah was whenever uh, one of the companions of the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, by the name Maqil ibn Yasar, radiyallahu uh, he gave his sister in marriage to somebody. And this person divorced his sister. And idda, thalasat quru, three periods elapsed and he should no interest in marrying her. He didn't revoke his divorce. Mm. Then after the term was over, they had some sort of understanding and they wanted to be reunited again. And the wife doesn't mind. Now the divorced woman mm. and the ex-husband showed interest. So they wanted to remarry. But Ma'qil ibn Yasar, her brother and her guardian, said no. And he said, Ya Luka, you're a loser. I gave you my sister in marriage and I honor you. You divorce her and now you want to marry her again? By no means. I will never allow you to marry my sister. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah to tell the guardians. Mm. Do not prevent such marriage because of personal ego mm. or because if they want to remarry, facilitate this marriage. Mm. What does it mean? It means the following, John, that the consent of the garden is not only condition for the validity of the marriage in the case of a girl who's never been married before, whom we call Bikr mm. version. And because some people mm. under the impression that, uh, you know, the consent of the garden is only required in the case of the virgin girls. But mm. a Sayyib, a woman who has been married before once mm. or more, she can give herself in marriage without need for any consent. Now, according to this ayah, the woman was already married. Mm. She was divorced. And she wanted to marry whom? Her ex-husband. But the brother prevented her. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the guardian to facilitate this marriage. You have this power of consent. Do not misuse it. Mm. And that will take us to um, the issue of what if the guardian is misusing or mm. abusing this yeah. power of consent. And unfortunately, this is common nowadays. Mm. Especially due to the cultural reason. 
some uh, mm. parents who moved to um, Europe and to the States from the Arab world or from Pakistan and India, Bangladesh, they want to make certain that their daughters and their boys as well, they will be married to um, spouses from their culture mm. in order to maintain the heritage, to maintain the cultural traditions and supposedly the religious commitment as well. Mm. So they may prevent them and insist that you only marry in the person whom I suggest you. I think because we ran out of time, yeah. maybe you can discuss this further more in details in the next episode, inshallah. Yeah, I think that would be good, Sheikh. SubhanAllah, these very interesting points. We don't want to rush them. So inshallah, we'll pick, pick up on that point next time, inshallah. So please, those of you at home, please join us next time for another episode of the Fiqh of Love. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.